Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. On today's show, we'll speak about motocross with Justin Adams and soccer with Laura Kramer with uh, Tupelo Youth Soccer. That's all coming up on the program today. But first, we've invited onto the show and live here in studio with us is the executive director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum, Bill Blackwell. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jay. Uh, it, it's great to have you. Of course, you guys are just around the corner from us, so it's awesome that uh, you can uh, uh, hop around the corner and join us here in studio. It's always good to see somebody face-to-face as opposed to a, a phone call, so we appreciate you taking time out and coming over. Um, the, the, of course, the, the the Hallmark event for the Hall of Fame each year, and there are a lot of great events that the Hall of Fame puts on from the C Spire um, Player of the Year Awards, um, and there's more than just the Player of the Year Awards now, the, the Rube Award, and all, all sorts of different things, the uh, the 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 high school awards and, th- and things like that. There's tons of stuff going Watermelon on. Watermelon Classic. Absolutely. Uh, golf tournament. We do a number of <laughs> events to try to uh, keep the doors open. Absolutely. But the, the, the Hallmark event, of course, is the, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony for each year's class, and that's coming up. Yes, it's uh, next weekend, not... Uh, day after tomorrow, but Mm -hmm. uh, a week from tomorrow. um, We have the first of those events. We start off with our, uh, what we have titled the Drawdown of Champions, and uh, that's basically a party to celebrate the new class that's being inducted. Uh, It starts... uh, Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sorry, (laughs) should have turned that off. Well, I should have reminded you to turn that off, so... You're in demand. Bill Blackwell, the executive director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, is our guest. And I'm sorry, I was in no, the middle of okay. talking about Friday night. <laughs> but uh, we have a silent auction. We have a live auction. We have the drawdown for $5,000. Uh, we have food from uh, about 20 different restaurants in town. Wow. Uh, and people just come and have a good time, get a chance to meet uh, the people that are going into this year's class. Then on Saturday morning, we do uh, an autograph session called Meet the Inductees, the sixth in the new class, and any other uh, Hall of Famers that are in the area uh, come in. They get a chance for the fans to come up, get their autograph, meet them, talk with them on a one-on-one basis. That goes from 10 to 11.30 on Saturday morning. Then uh, at uh, 5.30 on Saturday evening down at the convention center, we have a reception for all of the incoming class, and at 7 o'clock we do the actual induction and dinner. Yeah. And many Hall of Famers come back, correct? Yes. Uh, generally, there's uh, 20 to 25 uh, former inductees that are there that night. Yeah. And uh, uh, they all enjoy getting to see each other again, uh, much like you see in Cooperstown when the Baseball Hall of Fame inducts uh, the new class, the uh, uh Previously inducted players all enjoy being there, talking with them, and uh, getting to know the uh, the incoming class. And so, if you're a fan, uh, I mean, you could check off 
you could check off a bunch of names off your bucket list, including ones you probably didn't even know sure. that were uh, there. It definitely can do that. You've got a chance to get autographs. You've got a chance to uh, shake hands and get to talk, ask the questions you've always wanted to ask yeah. of uh, somebody in that position. Uh, so um, this class this year, it is a coach-centric class, uh, which I, I, I find fascinating. I don't know that that's you – know, I, I wouldn't think that that's something that was done intentionally, but it just kind no, of fell that I, way this year. Yes, it did. Um, we have – 29 people now on a selection committee, and they come from different groups in the sporting community, whether it's the Golf Association, the Tennis Association, the Track Club, the athletic directors of the colleges in the state. Uh, We've got media members that are on that committee, and they get together once a year. We give them bios of, right now, it's over 150 people that have been nominated uh, for the Hall wow, of Fame. Yeah. Uh, they make their discussions. We weed it down to, uh, you know, the top 50 people they want to talk about. Then it's down even lower, and it comes out. And this year, five of the six uh, were coaches. Now, yeah. Billy Brewer kind of uh, goes in uh, as a coach and as a player right. because he uh, uh, was all SEC while he played at Ole Miss. But... Uh, Uh, It's an interesting process, one we think is very fair. Uh, Everybody has their favorites and ones they would like to see that get inducted, but it's not always... you know, available to get everybody in. Sure, and it's there is a cap. There's a yearly cap on how yes, many can go our, in. Our bylaws tell us that we uh, would elect each year a minimum of, of three mm-hmm. and a maximum of six. And so, uh, you, as you mentioned, uh, and the nomination process is is pretty fascinating. But with 150 currently on the list of nominated people, that's it's. Yeah, there, that's, there's, that's a, there's a lot of people <laughs> that are very deserving that are still on that list. Yeah. So how do you and, and I don't I don't know if this is a proper question, but Billy Brewer's recently passed. How do you uh, I think when the announcement for the class was made in the, the first get together, I know there were photos taken. He was still with us. Now he has passed. How do you go about? Well, at, at least he was able to enjoy that part of it. Absolutely. Uh, we are very thankful that he was. Hmm. Uh, he'll be representing presented by one of his sons at the banquet. Uh, uh, one of the sons is a coach with the Redskins now, yeah. uh, Gunter. Yeah. And uh, so Brett will be here and, and other people out of his family will be here to represent him. Uh, our bylaws say that only one deceased previously deceased member can be elected each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year that was Archie Moore. Uh, the uh, former world champion boxer, uh, and now Billy has passed in that short time. I was telling uh, uh, Jason earlier, one of the downfalls, I I love my job, you get to meet these people and hear their stories, but one of the downfalls is when you're dealing with older uh, athletes that have all retired, that each year some of them seem to pass, and uh, 
Uh, regretfully, Billy won't be here this weekend to enjoy uh, the spotlight that he so richly deserves. But I do know, and, and you know, thanks to the, the Hall of Fame uh, and Miss Lulu Manis, who has helped us out tremendously, uh, lining us up with a bunch of interviews. We've talked to a ton of um at really, I mean, legends off of the late 50s, early 60s old Miss teams, and I'm sure that group um, will be heavily represented over Hall of Fame weekend. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, Lafayette Stribling uh, is one of the coaches who's going into Hall of Fame. He's a longtime uh, basketball coach at Mississippi Valley State. He also spent some time at uh, Tougaloo. Um, and before that, he was a, a championship coach at South Leak High School. He won state championships with both the boys and girls teams. Yeah, it's, it's some guys just know uh, guys and women because Anna Jackson is in this class and she just knows, too. It's just they walk in a gym and they know how to, to get the best out of everybody. But uh, uh, Coach Strib uh, has uh, quite the taste for fashion. Uh, do you think he's going to show out for oh, yeah. Hall of Fame weekend? Uh, I, I'll, I'll be disappointed <laughs> if he doesn't. But uh, uh, Coach Strib told, tells a story when uh, we interviewed him uh, before the event uh, about when he graduated from high school, he had to borrow a suit from a friend to go through graduation. And he swore to himself that he would never have to borrow a suit again. And I asked him when we were interviewing him <laughs> how many suits he had. He said he lost count when it was a little over 200. Wow. But he's got shoes and hats and uh, scarves and ties, uh, the whole shooting match to go with them, all of them color-coordinated. Absolutely. And <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the SWAC has given us so many um, – eclectic coaches with great personalities and um it, it, it's of course it kind of the further we get into the pc era and i don't know if that's necessarily the way to put it we don't have coaches like that anymore uh it seems like um safer hires are made and you know things are much more vetted than they used to be but, you know some coaches you have to be on a certain track and they don't take chances on people uh like they used to and so uh it's so robotic now and and uh, Coach Strib is is kind of a, a throwback to that era where I mean you had some real characters. Well, he had showman. character and he had uh, life, and it's amazing though with all of these coaches, whether it's Anna Jackson or Mike Jones or Joe Walker Jr. or uh, Coach Strib, all of the players that played for him, Coach Brewer too, uh, you know. Uh, Coach Brewer, uh, Wesley Walls got a bunch of his former teammates to all chip in, and they bought an ad in our program uh, to honor That's awesome. Coach Brewer. Uh, the same thing has happened with uh, the Valley State alums. Uh, a bunch of the former players of Coach Strib chipped in and did a similar uh, ad. Uh, so it's been uh, great getting to see how the former players respond to their coaches, yeah. uh, the connection between them. Coach Strib uh, uh, is not the most mobile guy anymore, mm -hmm. and uh, he had several of his players who were chauffeuring him back and forth to uh, <laughs> get him to events and to uh, uh, different functions. So uh, all of them have a loyalty that is, you know, 
not always seen between the players and the coaches. Absolutely. Uh, and then um, Coach Mike Jones, boy, salt of the earth guy, if there ever was one, uh, a gentleman, a uh, sweetheart, uh, the athletic director, longtime basketball coach at Mississippi College, who uh, in his time there saw them go from Division Two down to Division Three, And then as an athletic director, he has brought it worked. back to two. Yeah. yeah. And that is, is we've had him in studio talking about that. That is not an easy thing to do to make that jump back up to Division Two. Well, Mike's journey uh, from a player uh, to the current time uh, has a lot of similar steps. He uh, uh, was at New Hebron as a child, grew up there, played at Colin, played at MC, played baseball and basketball both, was an excellent athlete. Went back, uh, was an assistant under M.K. Turk, who's one of our Hall of Famers at at, uh, Southern Miss. Uh, Was there for eight years. Got his first head coaching job at Colin, where he had played. Uh, Had a fantastic career there as a member of their Hall of Fame. Went to M.C., where he coached basketball for 16 years and had a great record there. Um, And again, he had played at M.C., Uh, and then uh, took over as athletic director, went back to coaching for a short stint, but then uh, uh, took back the athletic director reins and uh, has just done a fantastic job improving facilities, raising funds, and doing a great job for Mississippi College. Bill Blackwell is our guest. He is the executive director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. We're talking about uh, the Hall of Fame induction weekend, which is next weekend, uh, and uh, some of the the six inductees that are going in. Uh, tell us what else outside of the the Hall of Fame weekend. What you guys you're constantly evolving the museum. <laughs> um, I know in the last five years it's it's gone a, a, undergone a, a huge technology upgrade, um, and and I know you guys are constantly finding stuff, adding stuff to the museum, upgrading the museum. You've added more space uh, for storage and things like that. So it's a great experience. Tell me what I was going on 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 your day-to-day stuff? Well, a a lot of things going on. Uh, We recently uh, added a boxing exhibit with Archie Moore, the uh, former world champion, going in. Uh, We have two other boxers that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, so we now have a display on the upstairs level uh, for the uh, uh, boxing crew. Uh, We're working right now with uh, some hockey enthusiasts trying to uh, yeah. uh, display what the Mississippi Sea Wolves and uh, uh, the Jackson Bandits and uh, other professional hockey uh, that's gone on in the state. They haven't been represented, and we're trying to uh, uh, work on that's that. That's fascinating, yeah. We've got uh, a building that is now 22, going on 23 years of age, uh, and... Uh, Uh, We're replacing some of the original flooring and doing other things of that nature, Uh, none of which is cheap, but all (laughs) of which are needed. And uh, uh, so uh, that adds to the constant need for uh, fundraising events and uh, memberships that we offer. And uh, uh, so there's always something going on during the summers. We're doing a lot of uh, tours with daycares and uh, summer camps and different things of that nature. Uh, When the school year starts back, there's a lot of school groups that 
come through and tour. Uh, regretfully, a lot of our attendance uh, comes from those youth groups that are there. But on the other hand, that's great because we're constantly teaching about the stories of all of these uh, uh, great athletes that Mississippi has produced. And I still think that on a uh, per capita basis, this state has produced more world-class athletes Mm -hmm. than uh, any other. Uh, There's just been uh, unbelievable talent come through Mississippi. And my favorite part, still the five Texas League championship banners. (laughs) Uh, Just a personal big chunk of my life spent sitting in the bleachers. A big part of mine was too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't believe they, 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 after affiliated baseball left Smithwell Stadium, uh, whoever controlled it for a while there, they were throwing those out. And I can't, I think maybe it was either Rick Cleveland or Michael Rubenstein saw that they were throwing those away, like literally in a dumpster. And he was like, uh, no, we'll have those. Yeah. And now they are the, a huge like corner piece up near the ceiling. The uh, the banners Khan had uh, taken and had in storage, they they didn't get thrown away, but a lot of the memories would have yeah. uh, with photographs and other memorabilia. So uh, uh, it's a good thing that uh, we can preserve that there. Uh, that's another thing we're working on is trying to get involvement with the Mississippi Braves because the Braves and the Shuckers right now are not represented very well in the museum, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we're trying to get things with them and uh, uh, set up, change the baseball exhibit to include them. Absolutely. Um, if folks want to come and see the Hall of Fame, if they're coming through the Jackson area, or if they set you, you have a ton of space for group events and things like that. Um, uh, my wedding reception was at the Hall of Fame. Yep. That's a thing that you can do. If uh, if you want to uh, talk about uh, using the hall uh, and museum for events and things like that, how do they get in touch with you? Well, they just call uh, our, our main number, which is 601-982-8264. 601-982-8264. Uh, we have the uh, Trustmark Conference Center that we do for business meetings, for wedding receptions, for, uh, you know, family reunions. It's been used for uh, basically everything. Uh, It'll seat up to 150 people uh, in that venue, and we rent that. For larger events, uh, we can rent the uh, main part of the museum, uh, and that has uh, been a big boon to us. the way that we have to survive, uh, we are a nonprofit. So uh, besides the fundraisers, the uh, uh, C Spire awards uh, for the most outstanding players in each of the sports, uh, the 5K race, uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, we are going to have the voices of Mississippi sports uh, come in. We're going to have David Killam from Ole Miss. We're going to have John Cox from Southern. We're going to have both Jim Ellis and Nick Price from Mississippi State. And Matt Wyatt is going to uh, moderate the group. We're going to have a little panel discussion. We're going to have a meal. uh, And then, uh, you know, let them talk about 
career moments in their broadcasting from all the years that they've done the various sports at the uh, three major universities. And uh, we think that's going to be a, a big fundraiser for us. Uh, all of these things are needed to perpetuate, uh, uh, to pay the bills and mm-hmm. to uh, pay the salaries and to uh, uh, bring in new exhibits and uh, other things that are going on. So uh, I, I learned one thing when I went to work for a nonprofit. <laughs> First thing you learn is to stick out your hand <laughs> and then you keep it there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's always great to have you. We could talk to you the, the whole hour. Well, Jay, uh, I, I appreciate Appreciate the uh, opportunity. Again, remind the folks that uh, a week from tomorrow uh, we'll have our uh, drawdown of champions. Saturday morning, the meet the inductees, and Saturday night, the actual induction. We still have tickets available for uh, the various events. And uh, we hope that uh, a lot of people will come out and congratulate this year's class as they go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, if you're a sports fan, you owe it to yourself uh, to come and experience this. If you haven't before, uh, treat yourself. Uh, It is absolutely worth it. Bill Blackwell, the uh, executive director of Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, uh, there's more to go in the show. We're going to speak, talk about uh, motocross with promoter Justin Adams and we're going to talk about soccer in the wake of uh, the World Cup for which we did not qualify but I do understand we are a one seed in the NIT of soccer Uh, we're going to speak with Laura Kramer from Tupelo Youth Soccer Uh, coming up still to come in the program stay with us we'll take a time out this is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. listening to MPB Season Pass. I'm producer Liz Gill with host Jay White. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We realize you might not be able to listen to the show in its entirety, so you can go back and listen to a show at your convenience or download or stream our podcast on whatever platform you receive your podcasts and subscribe to us while you're there. You can also listen again on our website, mpbonline.org. Now we're going to talk about the sport of motocross. Our guest is Justin Adams, and I'm going to learn about it because all I know is it's motorcycles. So (laughs) welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you. Thank you. You're a promoter for motocross. Um, Paint us a picture. When someone attends a motocross event, uh, they pull into the parking lot. What do they see? What are they going to experience? Well, it's a, uh, of course, it's a family. Family-oriented sport. Uh, you're going to see motorcycles running everywhere on the track. Bunch of kids. Just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Are there variations of of tracks, of different types of tracks, and different kinds of races? 
it is. We have, of course, we have quite a few tracks. Uh, every one of them is different. Every one of them has a unique style to it. Some of them is a little bit more challenging than others, but all of them, with saying that, is uh, any beginner can ride and have fun on it. Some of the the easier tracks, the faster you are, the more challenging that you can make. You know, you can you can make it as challenging as you want to. And it's, it's, it's your speed and your skill level. Of course, you know we want everybody to come out and enjoy themselves and be able to be able to ride and, and have a good time. But the most important thing is is safety. Uh, we want everybody, you know, to pull up and, and ride, and at the end of the day, be able to go home, say they had a good time. Of course, you have the different kinds of tracks. There's a few tracks in, in Mississippi. There's one track, of course, it's uh, Dirty Deeds in, in Meridian, Mississippi. Colton Keller, I think that's his name. He's actually the owner. He has a outstanding facility. Matter of fact, it's kind of two tracks rolled up into one. Depending on what kind of races he has, you know, he of course he splits the track. When the faster guys, you know, whenever they come up, you know, they get to ride what they call the big track. Has the big jumps and stuff. Also, with saying that, the the, the beginners they can also ride it too and feel safe on it. Well, you mentioned uh, beginners and people trying it out. If someone wanted to try out motocross, how do they, what do they bring? What would they, what would they do? What do you need to get started? Of course, you know, a, a bike that's in good working condition. Um, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a brand new bike. You know, there's a lot of people that ride bikes out there that 10, 15, 20 years old. The main thing is having the, the, the proper uh, riding gear, such as boots and helmet and your riding gear for your, your jersey and your, and your pants. Uh, gloves, of course. And, of course, you're, if you're not familiar with it, like I said in the beginning, it's a family-oriented sport. There's people there that will help you if you if you ask uh, questions. Most of the time, you can you can get with the track owner. He can tell you when it's your time to go out. That's something that they do real good in our area. It's split the practices between the beginners and, of course, your, uh, your fast guys and your kids and your senior riders, you know. When I say senior riders, it's people, you know, your weekend warriors, your people that's up in age that still love the sport but like to get out there and ride. And, uh, of course, you want to ride in your own group where you feel safe. Well, tell us, what is a typical rider or what's an atypical rider? Are there mostly kids under 20? Are there many 20 to 40? Any over 40-year-olds? That's hard to say. I mean, you have uh, kids from four years old to people that... uh, (laughs) Actually, in their 60s, uh-huh. out there riding. And uh, actually, I'm 45 years old. I love to ride. I'm not real competitive anymore. I just I love the, the sport. It makes me feel young again. <laughs> makes me feel like those little kids out there. But yeah, uh, there's women that ride. Like I said, it's it's for the whole family. The whole family can enjoy the sport. This sounds like something that would be fun for people who may have had it on their bucket list and uh, weren't lucky enough to do it as a child, but uh, there's still hope for them. Correct, correct. I'm telling you, if you ever throw your leg over a dirt bike just one time, 
you're hooked. You're you're hooked. It's uh, I've done it all. I've fished. I've hunted. But it's something about motocross that I just once I've, I've done it for my first time. I just I've never forgotten it, and I love it. Well, you've talked about uh, there are a number of younger kids that participate. Do they ever have uh, uh, money designated for scholarships, or is there prize money? Um, do you, you split uh, the gate from you know the tickets for the night, or uh, how is it worth your while to participate if you're looking for some money? To get in the money class, of course, you got to be good. You got to be competitive, and in this sport, to get to that level to where you're competitive, of course, you got to train. It's just like football, going to football practice or baseball practice. You get out there, you train, 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 take care of yourself, take care of your body. The more you ride, the better you get, which, of course, is more competitive that you get. And uh, they do have a class where you can actually win money. Um, Of course, you get the trophies, too. And it's a lot more your kids, I would say, from... From I say kids, thirteen to your mid twenties, that's your most competitive classes right there. Yeah, what I say, your your money classes. You get out there and you uh, you get in the top three. You know they they pay from you know your first place winner, your second place, and your third place winner. And you can ride as many classes as you want. Also, you talked about safety earlier. I would think you know, of course, a helmet. Um, what are some other safety measures that are uh, put in uh, to, to keep it a good sport? I guess knowing your bike, making sure it's in, in good working order, uh, knowing how to ride. That's the, that's the biggest thing. When I see people get hurt, it's people that ride way over their head. And I'm talking about they're riding with kids or, or people that's faster than them, and they try to get in to uh, where they're out there racing with them, and, and that's they're not ready for it. They haven't worked themselves up for that. Riding gear, that's, that's, that's probably one of the Another big thing is you're having a good helmet and boot to protect your ankles, your you know your knees and your shins, and, and and having a good helmet. I'm in the industry where in the power sports industry where my company sells all this stuff, but I see people spend thousands of dollars on on motorcycles, but they'll only buy they'll buy a cheap helmet. You get what you pay for, and if if you're out there and you're riding every weekend, you need the best of the best stuff because you know what is your head what is your head worth? What is your feet? Work. Having the good stuff, again, having your, a good bike that's in good working order and knowing how to ride. That's kind of the, the main points of it. Uh, everything else kind of comes natural. Watching people, when I got into the sport, that's what I did. I didn't have a motorcycle when I first went to the track. Um, I got out there and I watched people, had a bunch of friends that rode, and, and I watched how they done things, and I kind of picked up on it. So whenever I was able to get me a motorcycle and go out there, I had somewhat, of a, of a know-how what to uh, what to do and what not to do. Excellent. Well, as I said before, a lot of our show can be heard uh, by anyone on the planet online, but most of our listeners uh, can listen live through the state of Mississippi with a little bit of Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Louisiana. So in that area, give us two or three dirt bike tracks where folks could go and watch just for the fun of watching or if they wanted to start uh, competing. In Louisiana? In South Louisiana, uh, Bro Bridge, Louisiana, uh, Donaldsonville, Louisiana, Kentwood, Louisiana, and 
got Hammond, Louisiana, uh, of course, in Mississippi. You got uh, a track in Meridian, which is uh, which is Dirty Deeds, and you also have a track called MX Fifty Six. It's in Central Alabama, and I'm going to add to this too. This sport, even if you're not a rider, it's a very, very good spectator sport. Um, you get out there, you get involved in watching this stuff. You'll you'll want to do it every weekend. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really it's, it's really addictive. And uh, I have a lot of friends that don't ride, but they're at the track every weekend. They're helping people, and it's just like a big family. So, Justin, if we've just lit a fire under someone and uh, they don't quite know where to start or where to get some information or uh, where to get some advice, how can they get some advice about uh, motocross? Contact me on Facebook, uh, Adams MX, and our Instagram, Adams MX underscore 824, and I'll be glad to help you out any way possible. Well, this all sounds fun. We'll have to find a track near me and go check that out uh, one weekend. Um, Justin Adams uh, talking to us about motocross. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. When we come back from the break, we'll talk with Tupelo Youth Soccer's Laura Kramer about the sport in Mississippi. We'll also talk about what's going on this weekend. I'm Liz Gill with host Jay White. This is MPB's Season Pass on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thanks for tuning in to MPB's Season Pass. I'm Liz Gill with host Jay White. We'd like to welcome to the show now Laura Kramer. She's the sports director of soccer with Tupelo Youth Soccer Association, and she's also part of Mississippi Soccer Association. Thank you for taking some time to chat with us, Laura. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's get a beginner question out of the way. Soccer in the U.S., football in the rest of the world, but where does the spelling of football as F-U-T-B-O-L come from? I've seen that in the last five or ten years. I'm actually not really sure, um, to be honest. I guess if it's spelled football, uh, it's less less chance of people getting it confused with American football, maybe. Correct. Well, we just finished the World Cup, and you know, do you think soccer in this country will will get a bump from the the television coverage, or has there been a bump after past World Cups? Um, yeah. 
usually we see an influx of registration um, in youth soccer after something like the World Cup, particularly if there's you know participation with the U.S. national team. I saw a great deal of, of interest after um, the last Women's World Cup, uh, and obviously the women's team was very successful that year. Uh, so basically U6 to, to U8, I saw a huge influx in, in girls' soccer. Um, this year I haven't seen as much on the boys' side, but it could factor into um, the U.S. men's team not qualifying for the World Cup this year. You mentioned the women and the men's soccer. This is a sport where there's a lot of teams for both players. My kids, when they were tiny, did soccer. Also, for a while, everybody did swimming. That was another sport where uh, uh, you could just haul everybody down there and hang out at the, the one sport for both sex of kids. Do you find oh, there are a lot of families that have uh, different kids in different ages of soccer? Absolutely. Um, it's definitely a family-oriented sport. Um, a lot of times you see most, if not all, of uh, children in a, in a household that play soccer just because they're drawn to it because their older uh, siblings play. So lots of families out at the complex um, on, a, on a typical you know, recreational game evening. A great way to pass the cleats and shin guards down to younger <laughs> siblings. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of the metropolitan areas, there are different types of programs. There's um, maybe through the city, like you're through uh, Tupelo Parks and Recreation. There might be a club sport, uh, a school might have it, uh, or a select team. Can you tell us a little bit about each of those types of teams and what kind of athlete might have the best uh, soccer situation for them? Yeah. So, um, there's, as you said, there's a, a kind of a varying array of uh, how kids can get involved in soccer. Most commonly, kids will play recreational soccer, which there's not a tryout. There's no, um, you know, you don't have to have played before. It is a come one, come all. You know, let's have a, let's have fun. You also have uh, competitive programs. Those are typically offered through, um, you know, the club scene, as you said. Some clubs even offer recreational soccer um, to, you know, kids that are just being introduced to soccer all the way through competitive U19. You know, there's lots of different platforms to get involved. Um, most commonly, it's probably uh, an organization that's independent of a city, but that, you know, uses a local um, city complex. So for the kids who maybe also play uh, with school or select, that would be for the older kids, is that right? Typically, yeah. Typically um, for the club soccer may start as young as U9. School soccer, they have middle school programs now, so middle school and high school programs um, are are typically as young as they dip down in the school side. And uh, I understand from some of my my kids' friends, soccer can offer employment for some of the older kids. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I had a couple soccer camps this summer um, where I utilized some kids that were in our older age groups uh, on the competitive side um, that got involved and, you know, had a week's worth of camp and helped out with, uh, you know, four- and five-year-old um, just getting kids started and excited to play. That's right. And also uh, refereeing, maybe, or umpire. Yeah. Are they umpire? Umpire? Referees, both, either? 
Referees, yes, ma'am. Um, there's a lot of times um, the kids that express interest in the referee, uh, you know, in refereeing, likely played um, either on the recreational level or um, on the competitive level. While I was looking around on the internet, I saw that uh, at least one of the Mississippi Gulf Coast organizations has soccer camps for two-year-olds. Um, so when when can kids start soccer, and when do most kids when most do kids start? Most commonly, um, programs will offer to uh, U5, which would basically be four-year-olds um, or kids turning four by the end of the year. Um, there are programs. I know that um, Hernando Youth Soccer Association offers a little kickers program for three-year-olds, um, but it, it kind of varies from association to association. I would say, you know, as a rule of thumb to play in a, in a regularized, regular league, U5 is probably a good place to start. But the good thing about soccer is that even within those younger age groups where attention span is, is very fleeting, um, it's so active and you can get all the kids involved in once. And, you know, it's not like baseball where you wait to hit and then you hit and you're kind of standing around for a little bit. It really <laughs> excites and gets everybody involved, even, you know, two and three year olds. So for now, let's say a kid is a natural athlete uh, and a competitor. Is it ever too late uh, for someone to start soccer? Um, I would I would say no. I, absolutely. If you're interested in, in getting started and playing, most of the larger communities in Mississippi will have recreational soccer all the way up to maybe U16. So, yeah, I would say don't let don't let the age be a factor in, uh, in playing. I know as a parent, <laughs> some parents, you know, push their kids into sports because the parents want to want to think of the future. Um, what's the possibility of soccer scholarships to college? And, you know, how do you think it compares to uh, sports scholarships in other uh, disciplines? Um, on the women's side, it's girls have a greater likelihood of being offered scholarships um, for soccer than on the boys' side. But it's there's still a fair amount of opportunities even for boys. A lot of those are in NAIA type of uh, universities. Um, on the girls' side, you have junior college, NAIA, D1. There's a fair amount of Division One programs that don't offer a men's program. So it makes those opportunities a little bit um, harder to come by for the boys. Mississippi Soccer Association's website is mississippisoccer.org and Tupelo Youth Soccer is tupelosoccer.org. What would someone find when they went to one of those websites? Well, if you're visiting mississippisoccer.org, there's going to be information about all of the you know playing levels. I would say, especially if you're just getting started with soccer, that would be a great place to start to find a local program on the Mississippi Soccer website under about, there is a directory for all of the programs in Mississippi. So if, if you live in Pontotoc, it will show any program that's close by to you that you could potentially play at. On the Tupelo Soccer website, we're going to have registration dates, educational information for parents, 
camps, any sort of new or interesting programs that we're offering, you know, just trying to get as much information out there as possible so that people are, are informed and, uh, you know, can easily find what they need to find. What else do you want to say to the great listeners of the state of Mississippi about soccer? Um, well, get involved. Um, you know, by all means, you know, get your kids out there to, to, to give it a shot and, and uh, see if their interest lies in soccer. But also, don't be afraid to volunteer at your local organization, either as a volunteer coach or, um, you know, there's various other opportunities to, to get involved as a parent as well. And uh, we're always looking for good, pe- good people to get involved. So uh, just don't hesitate. And, um, you know, my dad coached me growing up, and uh, he grew up in a community that didn't have soccer. And he was, uh, you know, I feel a, a great coach and still has great relationships with some of the players that he coached in the past. Laura Kramer, Sports Director of Soccer for Tupelo Youth Soccer Association and part of Mississippi Soccer Association. Thank you for speaking with MPB Season Pass. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. We're about to take our last break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on in sports this weekend. I'm producer Liz Gill with host Jay White, and you're listening to MPB's Season Pass on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you so much for listening. Plenty of stuff to get into this weekend, uh, that is, if you want to be outside in the 145-degree weather. Well, or uh, aboard your ark, although I do think it's supposed to get hotter and the rain's supposed to taper off. Is it? Is it just me, or are there more... Have there been more like pop up showers this summer than I can remember in a long, long time? In central Mississippi, it's been wet. It's been crazy. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's pretty interesting. Ducks Unlimited Bass Tournament is going on at the Little Little River Marina in Moss Point. That's Saturday, July twenty first, five thirty a.m. start time, three p.m. weigh in. Payout will be fifty percent, as this is a fundraising organization. Um, and that 50 uh, that is not paid out will all go to Mississippi Ducks Unlimited and uh, will be used for conservation for the ducks. How about that? Because the fish get up at 530 in the morning. But if it's hot, then that's a good time to be out and about. Uh, right. Well, I guess I, don't, I, I, I should know because my dad is an avid fisherman, so I should know, like, how they respond to climate and when they're moving around and stuff like that versus water temperature. But unfortunately, I have not retained any of that into my brain. Uh, The uh, Biloxi Shuckers are going to be at home through Sunday at MGM Park on the coast, hosting the Tennessee Smokies, uh, 6.35 p.m. tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday, and 4.05 p.m. on Sunday. Fireworks tomorrow night after the game, uh, and a misting fan giveaway on Saturday. How timely. How timely. 
Um, also this weekend, as we just talked with uh, Bill Blackwell at the beginning of the show for the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame Museum. No, no, that's next weekend. It's not this weekend. It's not the 21st and the whatever. It's the uh, Friday, July 27th. Oh, okay. It's still time to go out and get your tickets. Oh, okay. It's Friday, July 27th and Saturday the 28th. Gotcha. Uh, this, uh, the, the, okay, so this is a different uh, water, this is the Watermelon Festival 5K Run and Walk. Uh, that's going on in Mize, Saturday, July 21st. I'm, I confused the two. Um, they both have watermelon in the name. Registration and check-in begins at 6 a.m. Race begins at 7 a.m. Rain or shine. T-shirts uh, guaranteed to pre-registered participants only. And you can register online at raceroster.com. Raceroster.com. That's the Mississippi Watermelon Festival 5K Run and Walk. And we'll have all these uh, websites, uh, links on our page, mpbonline.org slash season pass. There you go. Uh, The Cotton State Baseball League, Cotton State's Baseball League North Division. It's a pro-style six-team collegiate wooden bat league for players uh, who have college eligibility. So it's a summer a summer wood, uh, wood bat league for college players. Uh, it uh, operates at a single site in New Albany off uh, uh, Highway 78 uh, on the renovated Legion Field at the BNA Bank Park. There's going to be eight games this weekend, Saturday, 11.30, 1 and 3.30, and 1.30 uh, and 4 on Sunday. Uh, so the Cotton States Baseball League, that uh, has a long tradition here in the state of Mississippi. It's been going for quite a while now. Uh, well, let me say that there's been different iterations of it. This one's founded in 2009, but it goes uh, the Cotton States Baseball League um, in, in different iterations, whether it's uh, a summer wood bat league for college players or before that it was kind of like a semi-pro um, a semi-pro league uh, for adults. Uh, it's It's been in and around the state of Mississippi for a long, long time, so that's pretty cool. Um, how about this? Past Christian's Jeremiah Morgan, who we spoke with on our June 21st episode, is going to be profiled on American Ninja Warrior next Monday at 7 p.m. on your NBC station. I'm excited for him. I like it when our Mississippi folks do things. And uh, as we heard, he has a real compelling story about how he got electrocuted and was in the hospital last summer. And that's why he didn't make it to the Las Vegas finals to participate, for which he did qualify last year it is it is a fascinating story he's a fascinating person uh and their family uh was first uh dad brother uh brother combo three of them i yeah, think three. qualified the first time three. They all, went, uh-huh. all three uh which is uh pretty interesting so that's pretty uh, it's pretty cool stuff overnight six is a field dedicated to the sport of airsoft and uh, the South's only 12-hour overnight continues. Um, you'll be fighting for your food, huh? ammo, and other supplies you may need that are held in the supply tent. Tell me about this. You were I have you were no idea about this. About this. I'm going to talk to him on the phone in just a few minutes. I, I don't know. But uh, they've got a game in on Saturday in Crystal Springs. And uh, if you know about Airsoft, you could sign up. Or not, or you could listen to season pass on a future episode to hear about it. So it's like survival. It's like it's it's long form survival paintball. I kind of right. I guess it sounds like it. We'll find out, won't we, Jay? Fighting for your food that sounds serious. Well, anyway, okay. 
Well, hey, uh, we'll have to find out about that. Stay tuned. We may have that on a future episode. I guess maybe next week. All right. Uh, thanks to all of our guests for being on today. Uh, Laura Kramer from the Mississippi Soccer Association and the Tupelo Football Club. And uh, Justin Adams, motocross promoter here in the state of Mississippi. And Bill Blackwell, the executive director of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, again, uh, msfame.org, the website to go to to find out about all of the stuff coming up on uh, induction Hall of Fame induction weekend 2018, which is not this weekend, but next weekend. If you were a sports fan and you have not been to that, or if you have not been to the Hall of Fame, you owe it to yourself to go and see all of the stuff going on at the Hall of Fame Museum. That's it for us. Thanks to producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.